Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. This morning I want to share, um, it's a very broad subject, but I want to touch on something and I know that um, in preparing for today that I'm really only going to be scratching the surface. Okay, so... I pray that the Spirit of God will help to make sense of everything that's shared today. Um, I know there's a whole lot more things that could be said, but I'm just going to make sure that I stick to my notes, because then when I do that, I stick to my time. Cool? Um, But I want us to be open this morning. Can we be open to the Spirit this morning? If you've come with a preconceived idea about what you're going to receive today, I want you to lay that down. Put that on the side. If there's a space, move over. Let it sit there next to you. Because I want us to be open. Okay? And I don't want us us to have this um, mentality or this mindset or this heart to say, oh, I've heard that before, and then switch off. Okay? I want us to be open. So I want to talk about um, divine design. And there's a couple of particular design elements that I want to look at. I think I'll only have the time to share one thing, okay? And if you understand God and how God operates there, um, he's multidimensional. If you just consider one aspect of life, there are more than one thing. There's more than one thing in the economy of God that you can talk about concerning that one thing. By the grace of God and by the the help of the Holy Spirit this morning, that we'll be able to receive at least that one thing. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11. And we heard it this morning um, in regards to a time of fasting and praying together. But I want to read uh, the message version. So I know that a lot of the scriptures I'm sharing, they should arrive behind me on the screen so you can follow with me. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. I love that translation. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. And by faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we can't see. Amen? And so we heard it, faith. Faith is the strong conviction, the strong assurance about the truth of something, the truth of anything. It's a strong conviction. I like to use the word resolve. It's an assurance that God is real even when people are telling you God's not real. God is alive even when everyone's telling you God is dead. God is old school. God is for the past. But he's very much alive. Amen. He's very much alive. He's here. So faith is this resolve. And to say, I have faith, is to say, I know what I believe. And to say, I will walk by faith. Hey, the Apostle Paul encouraged us. For we walk by faith and not by sight. But to say, I walk by faith, is to say, I live out what I believe. I don't just practice what I preach. 
but I preach what I practice. See, in the economy of God, we don't have the right to preach what we don't practice. So there's a paradigm shift for you. <laughs> Begin to preach what you practice and to say, I will contend for the faith. You read that in Jude. To say, I will contend for the faith is to say, I will fight with everything I have to protect, to preserve, to perpetuate what I believe. So for me personally, what I believe is not just for me. I have to at least pass that on to my children. And we should, hey, there's um, different scriptures in the Bible that teach us to don't just, not to look at one generation, but to look at two to four generations. When you see your children, you should see four generations. So they put some weight on your words and what you teach them and how you live. Because you're not just speaking to them, you're speaking to their children and their children and their children. See, in my family, I had no one, no one speaking beforehand, considering me. In my family tree, in my papa. So I had to put a stake in the ground you ask my wife, she knows the story. I had to put a stake in the ground in regards to God and my faith in him. And I had to change course from where generations before me had gone. That's a big thing. That's not a little thing. And some of us here might be in the same waka, might be in the same boat. You don't have ancestors in the faith. You don't have forefathers in the faith. And it's up to you. But to say I contend for the faith is to say I'll fight with everything. I'll fight with Instagram. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will fight for this need for young people to have a, a phone, a cell phone. My 14 and 15 year olds don't have cell phones. And some of us might think, oh, that's harsh. What a harsh parent. I just thought Pastor Uli said he's like an awesome parent and... Good father, good, good father. But they don't have phones because I'm protecting them. Not, you know, I'm not just bringing them up in a bubble and they're not exposed to things. I know they have internet at school. I know they can just go behind my back and create an Instagram account anyway. Under another name. <laughs> Under a different age. The different profile picture. But what I found with Instagram is that true colors come out on Instagram. Maybe we should do that kind of exercise. Should we give each other our Instagram things? <laughs> Check out our photos. Hey, you know Instagram is a propagator of the selfie culture. Propagates this independent mentality, this me, myself, and I, holy trinity. But to say that I will contend for the faith even means how you deal with Facebook and Instagram and all those other things that can be such a stumbling block for many people. Maybe the pastor should give up their accounts and their passwords and give everyone the opportunity to look into what they look at, what they like. Sorry, guys. Sorry to offend all those Instagram people. I tend to do that when I'm here. 
It's Facebook now. It's Instagram now. <laughs> so Pastor Jay doesn't even have to. I have an Instagram account just to keep an eye on everyone. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, honestly, that's not my heart. But I know that it's a good thing and it's a not so good thing. Cool? Depending on how we use it. So we prepared to fight for what we believe. Hey, fight for the doctrines and the teachings and the, and the, and the ways. Hey, in Māori, it's tikanga. Te reo me ona tikanga. The language and the protocols, the ways of doing things. Are we prepared to fight for those things? That's what it means to say. When we say, I will contend for the faith. And this is what said our forefathers above the crowd. Are you read through, read through Hebrews 11. You see our awesome forefathers our ancestors and the way they walked and the things they had to contend with. And this must be the testimony of our resolve, our faith. Amen? Now the New King James, if we switch to the next slide, the New King James uses the word framed. In verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And it's that word there, katartizo, which means to fit out, to equip, to put in order, to arrange, to adjust. And this is what God did by his word. And so by faith we understand that God in his omnipotence and omniscience fitted out the heavens and the earth by his word. Any builders here? Hey, no, understand the concept of fitting out a place. My brother's a qualified um, joiner, and he often puts up photos of the things that he's done, fit-outs he's done in libraries and schools. He even fitted out our old high school in Gisborne, in the library. I said to him, bro, I didn't even know what the library looks like on the inside. <laughs> no, I'm telling the honest truth. Never went to the library when I was at high school. Any, anyone get a witness? Uh, didn't know what my library looked like on the inside. But God, he fits it out. He equipped the heavens and the earth. He put things in order. He arranged the heavens and the earth. This is our God. Everything by his word. Here's a myth buster for you. Everything was not created from nothing. The big bang was his voice. Do you want a big bang theory? There it is. God spoke and then there was. But everything came from something. His word. His voice. And Jesus reminds us of the sustaining power of God's word. Matthew chapter 4, when he's being tempted by the devil. He says, it is written, written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the sustaining power of God. And when we consider this fast, like sister was saying, we can consider what we're not going to do. Hey, not eat. Hey, Jesus in another um, passage says, hey, my bread is to do the will of God and to see it finished. So my hunger for him and my hunger for his bread, my hunger for his word transcends my hunger, my natural hunger, my hunger for food. And everything in heaven on earth was designed by God. And every divine design, design has unique specifications, specs, what constitutes everything and a unique purpose. So for us, these specs, this purpose is found in the great design book, the design manual here 
You might not think this speaks about there's a design for business, but it's in here. You want a design for your marriage? It's right here. You want a design for how to do family? It's right here. If you want a design to how to be a child to your parents, it's right here. Or a parent to your child, it's right here, family. There's a divine design for every aspect of life, and it's in here. Better than the top-selling book, unless it comes from here, but it's in God's Word. There are two design elements, and I think today will only be one that we'll look at this morning. And it's um, the next slide. Identity and function. I was blessed. My brother here sent me a message. This thing was already in my heart. Have it sealed, if you like, confirmed. But identity, and I've written down underneath, identity informs function. What do I mean by that? It means if you know who you are, then you know how to be. If you don't know who you are, you're going to be everything everyone else tells you to be. So let's go back to Instagram. No, let's leave Instagram. No, no let's go back to Instagram. No, let's, let's stop there. So. Back to my notes. I can feel my wife saying, back to your notes, darling. Back to your notes. But when you know who you are, you know how to be. When you don't know who you are, and, the, and, the, and, the, and this is the dilemma sometimes we think we know who we are and what we're being but we don't actually know who we are in the beginning God went to work skillfully and meticulously fashioning creating forming the heavens and the earth by his word God said and it was day one to day seven and on day six the earth brought forth every creature Everything that crawled upon the earth, each according to its kind. And in verse 26 is where I want to drop in. The next slide, please. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So we can see, we might get a hint already in regards to the divine design of God. God said, let us make man. Male and female, let us create them in my image, in our image, and in our likeness. So what is the image and likeness of God? Hey, like I said, there's so many ways you can attempt, you can approach this. What is the image and likeness of God? First scriptures from Colossians 1 verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. Next scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. This is a mirror. When you look into it, you should see who you are in Christ. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son, He is the pattern. He is the image and the likeness of God. He is the pattern. He's the blueprint by which we must conform to. When you look into the word conform, that word means to force into a mold. 
to be forced into a mold called the Son. The next scripture, Romans 8 verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. Everyone say conformed. And I know we read in Romans 12 too, it says, Do not be conformed to the world. So don't be forced into a, a mold called the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what? You can know the will of God. But here, this word is used to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Hey, we know, this, we know the passage where God is the potter and we're the, we're the clay. Amen? You know that? He's not creating anything else other than his son. You might want to be formed into, you know, the best entrepreneur, the best musician. You, want to, you might want that mold for your life. You might want to be the, the most successful businesswoman. You might say, God, I want to be the most successful businesswoman. Make me into that mold. He goes, no, you only have one mold for you to be forced into. And it's the image of my son. When people look at me, they should see the son. And the people look at you, they should see the sun. Amen? That's a paradigm shift. To know that you want to look in the mirror and see me. Instagram. I should just let this thing go that's in me. But Jesus was and is the only Messiah. The only Christ. Hey, I don't know, Jeezy and... Cheesy and everyone else wants to be the Messiah. There's only one Messiah. There's only one Christ, one anointed one. Same as Jesus, whose name means Savior. But the Bible says here that he was the firstborn of many sons. So we're not being forced into a mold called Christ. There's only one. But Christ, the son of the living God, you know, Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, you're one of the prophets. You're this person, this person. And he says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And by divine revelation, the answer didn't come from the earth. By divine revelation, he said, you are the Christ. The what? The son of the living God. Jesus goes on to tell Peter, hey, no one told you that other than my Father in heaven told you that. So the original design for mankind was not to be mere humans, but the, the original design for mankind was sonship. Everyone say sonship. And in the person of Jesus Christ is the design for sonship. This original design is more than being a Christian. Okay, oh, oh, oh. The word Christian means to be a Christ follower, yeah? And if you read, I think, in Acts chapter 11 is when the first mention of the word, when people started calling people of the way, hey, the saints, the brethren. It's there they started in Antioch where they started to call them Christians. So God didn't invent Christianity, but this identity is more than being a Christ follower, but it's about being Christ-like. Can we really die to ourselves and let the sun come forth in us? This is what it's all about, family. This is my encouragement. It might not seem like an encouragement. 
this morning. When I speak of sonship, I'm referring to sons and daughters. And I'm speaking about children of God. Okay, I'm not, it's not a gender thing. Sonship is genderless. Let's read in um, Galatians chapter 3. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Also me. So faith, this faith we talk about initiates us into a place called I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And in, in, in the genealogy of Luke chapter 3, you see that Adam is named, is titled the son of God. Adam, first man. Adam. So just to, just to highlight that, God wasn't just creating human beings, but his children, his sons and daughters. Amen? I don't know about you, but that just changes the game for me. And who God is as Abba, Father, Daddy God. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam and Eve have an identity crisis. Because that's the other thing we're facing in our society is an identity crisis. Even in the church. And the word sin, I guess the next slide. The word sin. And we may have had other definitions for the word sin. But you have a look at what the Bible says. What the text says about this word. It means to miss the mark. The thing is, if we don't know the divine design of God for every aspect of our lives, we are more than likely going to miss the mark. And therefore, sin. This word means to lose yourself. Forget who you are. This word means to wander from the way. So Adam and Eve, they missed the mark. Amen? Concerning God's word, God's commandment, God's instruction, they missed the mark. They also missed the mark concerning who they were and their function in the earth. And this is the plight of the devil. We know we read John 10, 10. says the thief comes only to steal. Steal what? Hey, the devil's not worried about your iPad or your car or your house or your money. But if he can steal your identity, if he can keep you in this vacuum called I don't know who I am, then he's won. You can't say I have the victory when you don't know who you are. Steal your identity. What else does he want to do? Kill your identity. He doesn't want you to believe you're a son of God. Be a mere Christian, he's all good. He wants to destroy your identity. Come on, family, let's go away from here understanding that God's, hey, the devil's not worried about your stuff. Hey, you, you wake up one morning, your car's been stolen. Oh, the devil stole my car. Rebuke you, devil. No, some guy or girl stole your car. Maybe this is all a test about your heart and how you're going to respond to it. Are you going to go around smashing everyone else's car up? Or? We had two cars stolen out of the side of our house. One time we went to church and we came home and our car was stolen. 
go, wow, what's up with that, Lord? <laughs> Went to the house of the Lord with the people of God and unihunga. Not to say that I'm never going to go to unihunga again, because dress, mart, dress mart's there. But, you know, or well, it didn't mean we stayed home every day now so that our next car didn't get stolen. <laughs> but another car got stolen not long after that. Hey, the devil does not worry about that stuff, man. Hey, Jesus isn't even worried about that stuff, man. Hey, don't, don't store up treasure that, hey, moth and rust can destroy. <laughs> hey, you worry about your house. Your house might be your God. My guitar used to be my God. I used to buff up my guitar like, man, it was the shiniest thing in the whole world. I used to change my strings once a month. <laughs> I worshipped it. No one was allowed to touch it. And then one day, God said to me, I want you to give your guitar away. It's now become a seed. Thank you for looking after it. <laughs> so that the next person gets this awesome, well-looked-after guitar. Hey, moving on, moving on. But your identity as a son of God, as a child of God. Hey, the devil is okay. And I don't, use, I don't usually talk about the devil. I'll give him time. But I want to say these things. The devil is okay with the people coming to church and playing church and ticking the box called I went to church this Sunday. Hallelujah, preach to Jesus. <laughs> I just got that from Pastor Uli earlier. Rubbed off on me. Or to show face. If you're here this morning, I'm going to challenge you right to the core. If you're just here so people know that you were here this morning, then you don't know who you are yet. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go up into the house of the Lord. You know, David was glad that other people were glad. It can be like that sometimes. Come to the house all glad and everyone comes like they just finished eating lemons outside. It's like we're serving lemons outside before they come in. But isn't it a glad time, household, family of God, when everyone else is glad to be here? Oh, the synergy. The worship's powerful. Are you read in Second Chronicles, I think chapter 24, you see that these guys are praising, worshiping, and the glory of God came into the house like a cloud and no one could do anything. I say the devil's okay with that stuff, but he's not okay when you come to terms with who you are. Even the demonic forces know those who know who they are. Acts chapter, where is it? Acts chapter 19, you hear of the sons of Sceva. They see everyone, watching everyone casting out devils in the name of Jesus, so they have a go at doing it. I cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul believes in. <laughs> and the demons come back and say, hey, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but I don't know who you are. They jump them. Even demons know those who know who they are. Hey, the Bible says even the demons uh, consider God and tremble. Sometimes when we're about to do something we shouldn't, we don't even tremble. We don't even flinch. There's no fear of God in us. And those who know who they are know how to just resist the devil and he'll flee. Hey, the Apostle James teaches us that. Res resist the devil and he'll flee. You don't even have to have a warfare prayer meeting. Just resist them. Yeah. 
Hey, the Bible says that God resists the proud. And I, and I was sharing this with my boys the other day. It's like, hey, I, I got them to think about the, the, you know, the, the NRL player that bumps off everyone. And my son's come back with GI, Greg Inglis. <laughs> he bumps off everyone, left, right, center. I said, this is like God. This is how God views the proud, that he bumps them off, fends them off. If you look at that word. But he gives grace to the humble. All we need is grace, amen? So the snake, and we're going back to Genesis chapter 3. The snake who represents many voices, many ideologies, many philosophies, many paradigms in society today. Had them second guessing and doubting and spiraling into unbelief. This is Adam and Eve. He told them if they eat of the fruit, their eyes will be opened and they will be like God. These are, this is the, the words of the snake. You have a read for yourself in Genesis chapter three. The problem is they were already like God. Remember, they were created in his image and in his likeness. They didn't need any further enhancements or modifications. They didn't need to see because they were already seeing. Now the, the snake comes and tells you, if you eat this, you'll see. Say, so, oh. And this, I believe, has been the most tragic sin, the most tragic missing of the mark. And because identity informs function, because if we know who we are, then we know how to be. Then we haven't been who God has called us to be. The salvation plan of God is more than going to heaven and not going to hell. Come on, family. Walk with me on this one. The salvation plan of God is, is not just about going to heaven. I know when I got saved, I got saved um, in a time where preachers used to say, if you walked out of this room today, and you got run over by a bus. Anyone else from that season? If you got run over by a bus, where would you go? Up or down? <laughs> Heaven or hell? A lot of people were scared into the kingdom of God because they didn't want to go to hell. But that didn't really change things. The salvation plan is about a reconciliation and a restoration back to your original identity as a son of God. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed God, at that moment, they became orphans. They became fatherless. You go, oh, but was God still their father? They were in a whole different realm. They were on their own. They chose their own walker to, to paddle. They were being reconciled back to this father-son relationship with God that we can truly, as the Bible says, hey, because I mean, I haven't, we're not talking about adoption today, but it's a principle of God. That by faith we've been adopted into the family of God. But to come into this place where in my spirit, my spirit cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. And I've said this before. This very thing, this when you come to know who you are in God, will transcend your natural relationship with your Father. If you've had a bad experience in that light, I know what that's like. I can empathize with you. That I didn't have a dad. And I grew up an angry boy, not knowing why I was angry until I found out it was this. 
this very thing. Not him necessarily, but the fact that my dad wasn't there. That I needed him to talk to me when I was going through stuff. That I needed the grace in the dad to speak to me, to counsel me. So I know what that's like. I might sound like I've said this many times before, but I would say that this principle transcends that. You can get to know God as your father, even though your relationship with your dad at this point in time might not be good. Because you know what? Now I have a great relationship with my dad. And I love him like a dad. And yes, it's a unique dynamic. (laughs) But I love him. That anger is no longer there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, the Son, am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. It doesn't say no one goes to heaven except through. But no one comes to the Father. Jesus, by divine design, brought salvation to mankind, not just as Christ the Messiah, but as the Son of the living God, reconciling us back to our Father. This is why he teaches us when he gives us, give the disciples the model to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, after he was baptized, Matthew chapter 3, the heavens opened and the voice of God resounded in that place saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. After this, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. That's an interesting dynamic, eh? The Holy Spirit would lead you into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the devil is only attacking one thing, the identity of the son. Read it. The devil says, if you are the son, if you are the son, if you are the son, three times, if you are the son, then do this. If you are the son, then do that. If you are the son, then do this over there. Jesus comes back, counters with the word of God. It is written. It is written. This is why it's so important to know the divine designs of God because then you can say, it is written. Because if you don't know what's written, what are you going to say in that moment? Oh, Pastor Ulu said, if you don't know it, you haven't had a personal encounter experience with the living word of God. It is written. Jesus showed us how to live as God's son on the earth. Hey, when you saw him, you saw the father, yeah? When you heard him, you heard the father. So this just shows us to be Christ-like is to be father-like, like a chip off the old block, like I'm just like my dad. About to live his life, Jesus lived his life for the father. That's why at the very end, even when he said, Hey, Dad, I know that you have what it takes to be able to remove this cup from me, that I don't need to go through this if you take it away. But he goes on to say, not my will, but your will be done. You know what, Jesus, God didn't, Father God didn't answer his prayer. There wasn't a voice come down and go, Jesus, 
you have to go to the cross and die. No, the son knew, hey, right from the beginning that this is what he was supposed to do. So yes, we have moments. Everyone else have moments? I know I have moments in my walk. And, oh man, you want to throw in the towel? Hey, it's not a white one, but you want to like throw it in and go, I give up. It's like Jesus had a moment like this. I, I, hey, you can, you can throw in the towel for me. Hey, like in boxing, and your coach on the side can throw the towel in for you, <laughs> even when you think we're man enough to carry on. But God didn't throw in the towel. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Awesome, eh? And Jesus could be in any environment because he knew who he was. And I was talking with another pastor, Pastor Ken, earlier this week. Had lunch, it's awesome. Oh, not the lunch, the fellowship. The lunch was okay, but the fellowship was way better. We're talking about how Jesus could be in, the, in, in all these environments. You know, Jesus hung out with the sinners and the tax collectors, with the prostitutes, with the drunkards. They all, and they often labeled him these things because he hung out with these people. But because Jesus knew he was the son, he was tested in the wilderness. If you're the son, if you're the son, if you're the son, hey, I'm the son. So you can walk into any environment and not be affected by the environment, but affect the environment. But you can only go there when you know who you are. Say, oh man, I'm gonna go to the nightclub because I know who I am. Walking there, you know. I don't know the music. I haven't been to a nightclub for years. <laughs> I proposed to my wife at a nightclub. That's how high up there the nightclub was. It's very romantic. But sometimes we have this foolish thinking to think, oh man, you know, I give my heart to the Lord, I can go be in this environment. And you find yourself blending in, partaking of, Oh, your grace, Lord. Come to the front, pray for you again. So Jesus, hey, when you know who you are, you want to be in these different environments. Why? Because there's lost people there. Other people that don't know who they are. So why not be that kind of light and understanding who you are, sit in an environment and help people come to understand who they are. Blessed by that message, Bernard, this, this week. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that he was tempted in all points. And you might read this, this, the life of Jesus and go, oh yeah, but he didn't go to the nightclub. He didn't have this, there wasn't this or that. The Bible says he was tempted in all points. This is why he can empathize with us. But yet what? Yet he didn't miss the mark. He didn't wander from the way. He didn't lose himself. He didn't sin. I want you to repeat something after me. Say, I am a son of God. Okay, for all the ladies struggling with that, it's okay. <laughs> Say this, I am a son of God. And God is my father. Say it again, I am a son of God. And God is my father. Almost there. We must come to terms with this family. Luke 15 highlights the parable of the lost things. The first 
parable, sorry, the parallelogram. Um, the first parable is about the lost sheep. The second parable is about the lost coin. The last one is about the lost son. And all of these speak to our relationship with God, our Father. Lost sheep speaks to us about lost communion, lost fellowship. This sheep was with the other 99. There were a hundred of them. Until this one sheep decided he's going to not follow the rest and lose himself. So he lost fellowship, communion with the shepherd. He lost fellowship and communion with the people. With the other sheep. Hey, you know, the Bible describes us as sheep. I know we would rather be like a lion or one of the five. What are the five in South Africa? (laughs) But we are sheep. So we've lost that. Mankind has lost that communion and fellowship with God. We have to get it back. We have to find that again. Hey, the lost coin talks about our lost, this lost covenantal relationship with God. That, that coin and that passage speaks about a chain of coins that goes across the bride's head to say, I am married. I am in covenant with my husband. So you can just imagine, it's just like your, all the wives in here, when you lose your wedding ring, you're like searching, searching everywhere until you find it. Not just because it's a ring, but what it represents. What it symbolizes. And this lady was looking for this lost coin and we think, oh, hey, I found a 20 cent coin here this morning. Someone neglected it. Need to pray for you. (laughs) But I think it was by divine design that this thing was here. Just a highlighted point. But this woman searched everywhere for this lost coin. Why? Because it belonged to a chain of coins. To say, I am in covenant with my husband. So mankind has lost this covenant. This covenantal relationship, which is a lot deeper than just a, hey, some contractual thing that you might have with all your friends. <laughs> or conditional relationship you might have with your friends. I'm going to be this to my friend as long as they be this back to me. And the Bible says when you to give... I think we heard it in the scripture in the video. It's better to give than to receive. And we don't just give. We don't give to get. We just give. Yeah? Anyway. In the last parable, the, the parable of the lost son, speaks about this loss of identity and a loss of position and ultimately a loss of function. This young man and we can all relate to the young man, most of us. Prodigal son, squandered everything his father had given him, asked for his inheritance, which is to say, oh, Dad, I wish you were dead because that's when you should get your inheritance. So he gets it, squanders it, and then he ends up eating pig's food. And if you know the environment of the Hebrew people, the Israelites, pigs are not clean animals. So to be eating the food that pigs eat was like the rock bottom. So at rock bottom, he comes to terms with, hey, I'm going to go back to dad and say, dad, you know, just make me one of your servants. At least I know that the servants get well, have so much more than what I'm experiencing right now. So he goes home and the dad has been waiting for his son. 
like God, the Father has been waiting for some of us. When he sees us, he runs to us. He ran to the son, kissed him, and said, restore the son. The robe, the ring, the sandals, symbols of restoration into the family. Comes home, dad kills the fatted calf, and they have a feast. And on the other side of that coin, there's another brother. I know God has been dealing with that older brother mentality in my life, and I know probably in others here, is that when their prodigal son goes and then they come home, and you're the older brother going, oh, how come he gets a, <laughs> how come they do that, how come they do that, blah, 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 blah. The father says, hey, you're with me all the time. Everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate because this son that was lost is now found. The son that was dead is now alive. So this morning, I want to encourage us to reclaim your identity as a son of God. Reclaim your position as a son of God. You're not a mere human. God didn't just create mere humans. He created his sons and daughters. He created his children. This morning, if there are those out there that don't know this, you don't know Father God. You've never been introduced to Father God. And I don't know everyone in here. I don't know where everyone's at. Except for those who are not looking at me right now. (laughs) So they want to make eye contact. But I want to encourage you, there are people here that know who they are, that can help you find out who you are. Now this is not just church, this is the house of God. This is the Father's house. You come here, you come to the Father's house. It's like, I don't know about you, you like going home to your dad's house, but my kids love our house. They don't want to leave. <laughs> and that's what it should be like. Hey, read in the Bible that in my Father's house, there's many mansions, you know. In that culture, they just used to extend on the Father's house. They don't have their separate mansion down the road on the golden street but their house is attached to the father's house if you don't know Jesus this morning then you're not going to have an opportunity to find out who you really are so this is how I'm going to present that opportunity to you there are people in this house pastors here leaders here that can help you understand that at least make the start of the journey of understanding your identity, who you are in Christ, who you are in God. Come and see them. Come and talk to me afterward. If you want to know some more about what I'm talking about, or help to make sense of something that was a little vague maybe, a little ambiguous. Come and talk to me. Yeah? Come and talk to me this is it this is where it's at family the church really has to get to know who they are and operate from that place hey your desire shouldn't be hey to be the the best entrepreneur the most successful business no you should be the best son and as a son you'll be a businessman but you understand that you're successful in business because you understand who you are as a son You might want to open a school of arts or whatever it is, but you do that as a son. It's like, Dad, check this out, Dad. This should inform how we live life 
Our identity informs our function, what we do. And there's much to say about the Son of God and His function as a king, as a priest. If you read on from Genesis 1, chapter 1, into chapter, the rest of chapter, verse 26 to 28, words like have dominion, be fruitful and multiply. And not just have heaps of children, that's not what that means. But multiply the image and likeness of God. Reign from the position of son. Rule from that place. You know the kind of fruit I want to see? Hey, there's a call for people. Is that people coming to know that they're children of God, that they're sons and daughters of God. That's what I want to hear. That's the testimony I want to hear because it's from that place. It's from that place. So come and talk to me if that's you. Don't be shy. Please don't be shy. This is an opportunity. This in the economy of God is called a kairos. It's an opportune time. You might be here, you might have thought you just came here because of something else, but you're here by design. Just like that coin was there by design to make a point. You're more, you're worth, you're worth more than the coin. You're worth more than the sparrow. You, people of God, people here. You. What we do here is about people. People need to know who they are. Hallelujah. Last slide I want to some practical things. Points to remember. First one is faith initiates us into our identity and position as sons of God. Faith by faith. Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And like I said earlier, if you heard something, something's resonating in your spirit, in your heart, you need to respond. I'm encouraging you to respond. Next one, we were made to carry the image and likeness of God. We were made that people might see the sun in us, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The sun in me, the hope of glory. We were made to carry that image and that likeness. And I know we're Samoan, Tongan, Maori, South African, but this identity transcends that. And when we come to terms with that, then we can express ourselves in te reo Māori, but as a son of God. Salvation has more to do with sonship than not going to hell. I want to encourage you. I don't know if that's anyone here, brother. But if you're here because you don't want to go to hell, I want to encourage you. There's more to life than not going to hell. It's about the rest of the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what needs people to outwork the kingdom and his will on the earth. I don't want to be an orphan anymore. I don't want anyone to be an orphan anymore, to live like an orphan, to operate in the orphan spirit. Or widows, spiritual widows. You know, the Bible talks about pure and undefiled religion is this, 
that we look after the orphan and the widow. And not just in the natural, but in the spirit. Fatherlessness. Sonship is a process of maturity. So when you come, when you say, yes, Lord, I want to give my life to you. You don't become hey, a mature son. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And Jesus lived 30 years of his life before Father God opened heaven and said, this is my son. So it's a process of maturity, of growing up. We start off as babes in Christ. That's why we need the milk of the word. But we grow up to a word in the Greek, which is the word huios, which means a full grown, a full mature man and woman of God who understands who they are. So when you go to work on Tuesday, because tomorrow's a holiday, God, it was even a long weekend. It's different when you've been on holiday because every, every weekend's long. But I want to encourage you, even when you leave here today, go, oh, man, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God, man. Next one. I think there's one more. Remember, identity informs function. Honestly, family, I know what it's like to not know who I am and then act like, I was going to say dipstick. You know what that is? Not just the oil thing someone who doesn't know who they are. Yes, I've done worship, hungover. Anyone else done that? (laughs) Sorry, that was rhetorical. Didn't have to put your hand up, but thanks for being honest. I know it's like to play church. I know it's like to come and tick a box, say I'm really holy because I came to church on Sunday. Identity and forms function. Remember that. Next points, the points to action. These are some just some simple things you can do this week. Remind yourself daily by declaring, I am a son of God and God is my father. Pray the declaration of John the Baptist in your life, saying, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must in that order, family, in that order. Not not, don't do the I must decrease and he must increase. Because what, what that happens is that offsets a position in our life where we think we have to get all clean first before we come to God. But come and be in the environment. Be here. Be present here. What we do here is not about this building or this beautiful building. You're the church. The people are the church. You need to be with the other 99 sheep help support you. The last one is be around people. You know who know who they are. Are they saying birds of a feather flock together? It's true. You see it at school. Everyone's in their flocks. If you wear a side bag, then you're in the side bag flock. If you don't wear the right uniform, you're in the not right uniform flock. Usually they were in the side bags. So I've never seen a side bag as a standard uniform. Anyway, be around the right people. Can we do that this week?
family. And I want to encourage us. If there's something in you you need to come and talk to us about, then come and talk to us. It's all good. It's all good. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.